And here we are once more, another episode of Season 3 of the Environment Agency Abu Dhabi podcast, Naturally Educated. I'm your host, Abdurrahman Zabi, and as ever, this season, Tim Elliott is here. How's it going, Tim? You know what? Not too bad. Thank you. Looking forward to the episode today. Nice to see you. Pleasure to see you as well and hear you. I'm really looking forward to talking about how not to waste food. Oh, yes, exactly. That's that's actually a big one, Tim. Mm. Um, we'll get to the menu <laughs> soon. <laughs> First of all, um, as ever, guys, we'd like you to uh, make sure you're following and getting in touch with us. So if you'd like to reach out and share your comments or if you have a story you'd like to share, uh, then do let us know what you think. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn at Environment Abu Dhabi, one word. You can also find us on our website or YouTube at Environment Agency Abu Dhabi. Give us a like and hit the subscribe button wherever you find your podcasts. Now, today's episode, as you mentioned, Tim, it's all about food waste. So here's the title, The Linkage Between Food Waste Management and Climate Change. There is so much overconsumption uh, that happens in the world. Now, when you go out, it's like, you know, let's have a great <laughs> big spread of food. And actually, the truth is, our forefathers, thousands of years ago, we didn't have those big spreads. We don't need as much food as we probably think we can consume. I think mm -hmm. that's fair. That's, that's fair. very fair, actually. You know, a lot of people that I know, especially in Ramadan, believe it or not, uh, mm. would order and keep more food than they would ever consume during that day. So mm. uh, they say, oh, we'll keep it as leftovers, but realistically, it's all either thrown or uh, or just wasted, unfortunately. Yeah, I mean, this is the thing, isn't it? It's it's that kind of, it's it's the attitude and what we we really need to be doing without preaching is to encourage a more sustainable attitude to do. And as you say, the leftovers, actually to use them as leftovers because mm -hmm. let's face it, leftovers tend to be pretty tasty. Oh, yes. <laughs> Especially a couple of days in the fridge. I mean, oh, <laughs> oh when it gets going. <laughs> oh, I tell you. But then, you know, if we, if we do have to throw food away that we haven't been able to consume, there are things that you can do with that food. Composting is something I think that we'll probably be talking about today. Um, I remember when I was a kid, uh, and I'm from just outside London, and my our neighbours, an older couple, he was called Uncle Jack, and she was called Auntie Lily. They weren't an aunt and uncle. That mm. was just kind of a respect thing. But Uncle Jack was a gardener, and his garden was, picture an English garden with the roses and the flowers and the buddleias and all these kinds of things. Mm -hmm. Incredible. The lawn, like a, like a bowling green. But he was really, really keen on composting, and he had a little mm. heap, very well-kept heap, that would become the compost and the manure for the for the plants, the roses in in uh, in season, whenever it was, and that's kind of stuck with me. And that's something that now, if you say composting in polite conversation, people now are like, "Well, yes, I am. That's <laughs> something I do." You know, that that it, it's kind of a thing now. It is, it is, it is, and and that's great. You know, I honestly started to compost as well, and around me, it was such a new concept. People didn't know you know, what composting is. Yeah. And so I would collect this food scraps and I try to mix in the carbon with the uh, nitrogen right. just to produce, you know, et cetera. And everyone was just saying, hey, look at this crazy guy, <laughs> you know, composting or reusing food in a more um, biological way, if you may. Uh, but anyway, it's I, I assume it's kind of a new concept, but people are catching up. Yeah, they are. Is everybody still saying to you, hey, look at that crazy guy? Has I, that, has uh, that, that didn't change, so I don't know why. No, I, uh, I had a feeling. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the thing is, it's so important, isn't it, that we, we don't waste food because the simple fact is if it, it, we know, and I'm sure 
as a kid, you were told there are other people in the world that don't have what you have. And it's, it's well worth remembering that because not everybody has the food they need. That's true. If we don't waste food, it kind of leads us along the path of using just what we need. Mm. So um, whether it's food or anything else that we consume, really, it's, it's a good mentality to keep. Plus, of course, if you, um, when you can see exactly where uh, conserving food fits uh, from a sustainability perspective or sustainable perspective in this, especially this year, year of sustainability. That's right, 2023. All right, let's move on to our interview for this episode and talk to someone who really knows about this stuff. Uh, Lara Hussein, who's the co-founder of The Waste Lab, a woman-owned Dubai-based impact-driven startup that aims to create an opportunity for every food scrap to become a solution rather than a burden to our society and environment. And she's here. Welcome, Lara. It's a pleasure to have you with us on Naturally Educated. Hi, Abdurrahman. Thank you for having me. Happy to be here. Thank you for joining us. Um, well, Lara, since you're here, I guess we got to talk about The Waste Lab. Uh, give us a background of the idea and what got you started. So the Waste Lab actually started from home. Like during COVID, I was, you know, stuck at home with my co-founder, Jaylan, and we found ourselves, you know, cooking more than usual and producing more food waste than usual. And being a household that usually recycles everything from plastic, metal, and glass, when we found we have a lot of food waste, we thought, like, what can we do with this? It just didn't make sense to us that we are throwing everything down the garbage chute. We tried looking for solutions for someone to pick up our food scraps, you know, the remains of uh, fruits, vegetables, or even leftovers. We couldn't find anything. And living in a, in a small apartment with no access to a garden, we thought like this, there should be something out there that we should be doing because we understand that these food scraps and food waste still have value and we don't want to waste it just like we don't waste plastic bottle or a metal can. So this is where it really started from the very, you know, from right um, in our house as a consumer, as an average consumer trying to find a solution to a pain point that we faced at home. And this led us, you know, to research and to try to find what can we do out there using minimum technology, uh, maybe trying to use the nature that we have here in the UAE, which led us, you know, to talking to experts, look, looking into documentaries, watching movies, and we came across something beautiful that is called composting and something that we've been doing for millions of years. And we said, why not try something here in the UE? And this is how the Waste Lab started. It's interesting that, you know, because mm. a lot of people think about it and a lot of people, especially during lockdown, did lots more cooking than they otherwise would have done because we had more time and we were kind of all stuck at home. Uh, amazing number of bakers that I talk to now, and that's all because of lockdown. Mm -hmm. But not many people, Lara decide well i'm actually going to do something about this what what was what was it inside you that made you think oh, i'm going to make a difference you know coming from so i'm from lebanon mm -hmm. and coming from there like during my childhood i was always in nature i was playing you know in the forest and the sand and the soil and i was very much connected to it and during you know covid and around that time i was you know, checking the news in Lebanon, in Turkey, where Jaylan is from, and Australia, and everywhere. And we saw a lot of, you know, forest fires happening. Mm. And it kind of like touched us, you know, thinking like we are losing our nature. And soil is such an important aspect of our nature that we don't really pay enough attention to. And something made sense in our head, like compost, if applied to soil properly, it will help it retain moisture to avoid these forest fires. 
so this so you know like um looking at the news and being stuck in during covid and lockdown and you know kind of uh, suffering from something beyond our control you know with this pandemic we kind of all felt like this huge you know uh, how do you say uh, event that is happening that is beyond our control that is global and it's affecting every one of us and i've kind of felt i, fe- I felt you united you know with everyone around me and wanted to do something that is impactful something that gives back to the society and from my household i found my platform which is food waste because this is something i was facing and it connected me to nature you know from compost we can apply to soil with soil we have a stronger more resilient nature and why not do this and you know give back to the environment give back to society and give back to current and future generations that's brilliant it's not just the food waste of course it's it's kind of the f- waste of all the effort mm-hmm. that goes into producing the food um from let's say you know the energy the water it takes to grow to harvest transport packaging all of that is in the in, you know put in the equation that, that a lot of people don't reali- realize uh you know and if food goes to the landfill uh, at the end of the day with waste uh, and rots, it produces methane. And, and obviously methane is a greenhouse gas emission. Um, you know, it's it's more potent than carbon dioxide, as we know. Um, well, we also know that 6 to 8% of all human-caused greenhouse gas emission could be reduced if we stop wasting food. Do you think that factors into the fact that you want to push for it and, and try to help mitigate it? I mean, absolutely. Um, you know, food waste is a global issue. And in the UAE, unfortunately, um, the amount of food waste per capita is double that of other countries, such as Europe and the US. And uh, in the UAE as well, we import up to 90% of our food. And so imagine, like, the most consumed fruit in the UAE is Mm -hmm. a banana. Mm -hmm. Okay, and this travels from Ecuador, from from the Philippines. Mm -hmm. So it flies a long way from there to here. A lot of it maybe gets wasted along the supply chain and then it comes here you know in the distribution channel more gets wasted and then before it goes to the supermarket we have to look at the aesthetics of it if it doesn't look good if the color is not right if the size isn't good again we waste again and then it goes to the supermarket and it stays there for a couple of days if no one buys it it ends up in landfills so there's a lot of you know waste that even happens before the consumer level Hmm. From our point of view, like, why can't we do something from the consumer level or from the retail level to minimize the effect of this food waste? Maybe we cannot control what happens in farms along that, you know, supply chain, uh, but maybe we can do something from our point of view. So this is something. Here's a statistic for mm-hmm. you, and I, I, I just want to put this out there because this really shocked me. Before we uh, got the chance to talk to you today, I was looking at global statistics and the global stat that stood out to me is a third of the food we produce is wasted. Mm, wow. A third. 33.33% <laughs> of the food that we produce, that we grow, that we manufacture, that we, we – is, it, it, it's shocking. Mm-hmm. Can I tell you something on top of this? So this, pers- this statistic is actually measuring the, f- the – for example, let's say we get a banana and we throw it away. This is food waste. Mm-hmm. But this does not include the banana peel, mm, right. right? So right. if we include the huh. peels and the pits and the seeds and the pulp that we we think that we don't need to eat them because we consume the other part. Fair. Uh, like if we consider all these scraps, we call them food scraps, this number is going to even increase more. Hmm. 
And the reason like we care about food scraps because the peel still has nutrients, still has minerals, moisture content mm -hmm. that we should not be throwing in landfill. This is a resource that we are, you know, uh, wasting. Like for one ban banana, we use 100 liters of water to grow one banana. Wow. So let's say 20% of the banana is the peel. So we're th throwing 20 liters of water in the landfill. Why can't we use this and put it back in soil, especially in the desert here where it's thirsty for moisture and hungry for this organic matter that comes from this banana peel. So yes, unfortunately, like this is the number out there, but for us, it's even much more because we also care about the food scraps. These, these are also very much, you know, mm. uh, vulnerable and precious for us. Honestly, you make such a good case for using it and, you know, purposing it for, for something else. Um, what boggles my mind is that, you know, the uh, population of the earth is growing, right? We have more and more people. We already hit the 8 billion mark um, and we're reaching something even higher. So in a lot of ways, sometimes rethinking that will help us, you know, repurpose some food instead of wasting it to meet the population increase. Is that, is that something that fits? I mean, absolutely. Like, uh, again, there's no equality in the food distribution out Fair. there. Like uh, the amount of... Um, food that we waste can feed i think around 800 million uh, you know people out there so we definitely need to find ways to first of all waste less from the beginning of the chain or produce less or as per demand and whatever that we cannot consume needs to be redistributed or reused uh, to grow more in places that you don't think of growing in like the desert mm. uh you know like uh, during covid again um like we suffered from cross, uh, you know, uh, borders closing down. So we started thinking as a country more about food security. And now in the UE, we have now more, uh, uh, how do you say, uh, legislations and um, kind of pledges uh, to encourage more local farms. That's we have true. a lot of local mm. farms and mm. we want to encourage ecotourism because we want people really to feel connected to the nature here and start growing more and more locally our food, whether with technology, whether with nature-based solutions. This is something so important. And I think like, uh, I mean, the US and Europe are doing their own thing, but they also have their eyes on the UAE and this region. Because if we can make it happen in the mm -hmm. desert, I think we can make it happen anywhere else. That's yeah, that's, that's really true, isn't it? There are, there are so many initiatives and there's so much government assistance for things like that now. Hydroponic farming, uh, for example, yes. is, is really starting yeah. to happen. Um, there's, just a, there's another figure, another statistic you mentioned there. 800 million people, more people could be fed if we didn't waste the food that we're wasting. And At it, least. Uh, I, was, I was kind of, <laughs> hold on a minute. It, it's frightening what we're doing. The thing is... Let me let me just go back to composting for a second, Lara. How do you, uh, how are you getting the message across to people that okay, you need separate bins? You can have a food waste bin, you can have your plastics bin, your glass bin, whatever it is. How do you make it? And I don't want to put this in delicately, but how do you make it more attractive, or how do you get the message through to people? Because it's not, you know, it's a little bit like oh, it's horrible. It's a bit, you mm -hmm. know, that there's a, there's that in all of us. I yeah. think. I mean. Um... You know, when we started, to, uh, everyone was telling us that you're crazy. Like, no one really cares about separating their food or composting. You're in the desert. What are you going to do here? Mm. And um, we said, like, even if we start with one family, with one community, one residential community, we're going to start and see 
how it happens and what we can learn from it, you know, from the behavioral point of view, from the motivational point of view, and to understand how we can really grow this movement. And to be honest, uh, the feedback that we got was super positive. You know, in this country, we have a very interesting mix of people. A lot of people who live here used to do composting and segregation back home. So they are kind of used to it. And when mm -hmm. they came here, they couldn't find a solution and they couldn't continue this way of living. So many, let's say, early adopters to the Waste Lab, uh, you know, composting services started with those who used to do this at home, uh, back home uh, in their countries. Uh, later on, we saw more and more curiosity from those who never did this. So our approach is basically to make it as simple as possible for people to to segregate. We're just telling them, this is a bin. Instead of disposing your foot scraps in the general waste bin, take this bin, put them there, and we will do everything else for you. We come pick this bin up from your home, we swap it for the next collection, we do the composting for you, and you get your share of compost back, you get every month an impact report that shows the impact that you are, you know, uh, putting as a family out there. And you, you can't imagine when you send this impact report, how many people post it on social media. They're proud of it. There's this intrinsic satisf satisfaction that they have actually done something. And I can't tell you the amount of pictures we get of moms sending pictures of their toddlers segregating mm -hmm. in our small bin. And this, and you know, they're trying to teach these values to their children. And it, it started like this, and this is how it continued. We use a lot of storytelling. We try to make the, this topic as close as possible and as emotional as possible to people because different people get triggered by different things. Some get triggered maybe by facts, like uh, if you don't save the planet, you're going to die. You know, it's going to be so like scary. We don't like to approach that. We try to be more positive, more empowering, yeah. and uh, how do you say... Uh, let them look at things from different perspectives. We talk about, for example, uh, the bacteria that helps us in composting. We create a character out of it. Today, we had a workshop with eight-year-olds, you know, in a school. And uh, in the beginning, when they saw the brown banana, they were like, yuck, it smells. But then we told them, touch it. See how, see, you know, see the importance of it. Mix it with the browns and see what happens. They started getting more interested, and uh, at the end of the day, they all want now to compost. <laughs> they go back home. I mean, kids are the biggest influencers out there. Yeah. They, are yeah. the, they are really the decision makers when it comes to these things. So they go back home, they tell their parents, we need to compost, let's do something. Or they go to the school and tell them, we need to have a composting station at school. So this is also another approach for us through children. It, it makes a lot of difference. Um, speaking of, of, you know, where to start, um, a lot of people listening would have a question of mm. what are tips and tricks that will help get me started to maybe one day subscribe to the waste lab and, you know, compost my food. I mean, um, like composting is what it's, how do you say it's a lifestyle, right? If you already, for example, recycle your plastic metal glass and you have separate bins for them, why not have a separate bin for food? Mm. It's pretty simple. Basically, when you're cooking, you're cutting your, uh, uh, you know, fruit skins, peels, uh, seeds. Instead of putting them in the general waste bin, we, you have this small bin, 18-liter bin that fits perfectly in your kitchen. You just put them there, close the lid, and then after a week, we come and collect it. Mm -hmm. It's pretty simple. And um, we noticed that uh, many of the subscribers, uh, let's say we started, for example, an average 5 kg of foot scraps we collect per week. This kgs have decreased 
with time because now because they're separating they were able to see how much how do you say still good condition or over uh, purchased food they've been doing you know they've been so now when they shop they and oh, they say ah oh, last time we threw a lot of cherry tomatoes because they went bad next time when we shop let's buy less mm-hmm. so this indirectly indirectly started changing their behavior so which is what we are aiming for we want to try as much as possible to reduce food waste from the source yeah. we don't encourage we don't want people to give us so much food waste of course we can create more compost but our main aim is for people to actually buy like the amount that they really need when they go shopping or when they cook cook for the amount that they will you know be consuming and if they have any leftovers we also give them tips and tr- tricks you know for example this banana i always keep talking about the banana yeah it's a lot of bananas <laughs> well we love it here so like when the banana goes brown you don't throw it you can do banana bread you can do a smoothie or an ice cream so we all we always try to give them you know some of these uh, you know uh, zero waste cooking uh, tricks mm. that they can do and they're pretty simple and for the peels and the skins you can uh, you know you do vegetable stock there are so many different things you can do you can be as creative as you want and sometimes if you have a garden you can use let's say the head of a pineapple and grow your own pineapple tree mm-hmm. so i've seen that on instagram no you know that's really interesting because you, it's almost kind of retraining people i have i'm a bit of a coffee fanatic mm-hmm. as you know yes. with, with the coffee you're drinking this <laughs> afternoon but i use um all of the the pucks mm-hmm. as they call them the the old coffee grounds uh, and put them on the plants the desert rose in my garden which is growing pretty well that's a healthy um, desert rose is a lot to do yeah with. i mean some some plants love coffee grounds we collect coffee grounds we are working uh, with one of the biggest regional coffee roasteries in the uae and we collect their coffee grounds wow uh, and uh, so like we are composting but we are also working on finding partners to repurpose different food scraps in different ways one of them is composting which we do in-house mm-hmm. but for example with coffee grounds you can use them to grow mushrooms so True. uh with maybe leftovers you can use them to create more animal feed so this is our next stage beyond composting what else can we do with the food scraps that we are receiving why we can do this because we are receiving them segregated they're not mixed with anything else so we have right. the luxury to separate further and let's say from a juice shop we get like 100 kgs of uh, orange peels orange skins i mean you can create powder from them and use them in cake so the more partners we identify, the more we can reuse these in different ways, not just for composting. I mean, it's making people think, isn't it? And the, your original example of people separating and then thinking when they go to the supermarket, well, I don't need this. Prior to that, it would everything went in probably one bin. And as mm-hmm. soon as you start separating mm-hmm. and you realize what you're putting in Absolutely. one particular place, it hits you that I just wasted 10 dirhams on cherry tomatoes for example that you said that, that i didn't need to so effectively um it's kind of a i don't know you're having a real effect yeah. tangible effect. yeah and like we get these comments like we we are spending less on food because we mm. don't buy things we don't need anymore or we buy less quantity because now we know how much we are throwing and because we are giving them the data every month they can really track all that and they can understand the impact for example, how much compost this creates and what it means in terms of reducing the, their carbon emissions as a household and collectively as a community. You know, my sin when it comes to that is avocados. <laughs> yes. I have no clue how to keep them fresh. They always go bad and, you know. Yeah, they're, they're tricky. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Do you know what I can, I can see happening here? The naturally educated menu. <laughs> that, that's coming. I can feel it. 
so any any thoughts on that? If you're listening now, uh, let us yeah, know. Usual me. channels. Um, I want to talk to you because the actual name of this podcast, this episode of this podcast, Naturally Educated, is the link between food waste management and climate change. Mm-hmm. And we've kind of touched broadly on that, Lara. Um, but there is a very real effect, isn't there, on how we manage the food that we're not using that that has on the environment that we all exist in. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that's one of the keys here, I guess, to you um, in the way you approach the waste lab. I mean, definitely, like food waste and climate change are like, as you can see, like uh, this year, as you mentioned before, is the year of sustainability, right? Mm. In the UAE. And one of the biggest uh, focuses is food waste because they understand how much linked is this is to climate change. And, you know, there's this NAMA pledge uh, that was launched last year to cut food loss and waste by 50 percent by 2030. And this is a very ambitious target because they realize how much food waste is actually affecting uh, us negatively. So, like, as simple as you mentioned before, like, if we're throwing everything in landfill, and actually food waste and organic waste make up up to 50% of our landfill. Mm. So imagine if we remove this 50%, how much less landfill we are actually requiring. So we're saying we, we've seen some numbers, like, by 2050... If we keep throwing the same way we are throwing in Dubai alone, we will need landfill the size of two Palm Jumeirah Islands. Wow. So imagine this, like, this is such a waste of land. And imagine the what comes out of these landfills. Like you said, methane is 25 to 28% more potent than CO2. So this is, you know, leading to, you know, climate change, of course. And it's also affecting our water table. And... Like there are so many negative uh, like results coming from food waste that we should really be aware of. That's true. And yeah. it's an easy change, Abdurrahman. It's, it's, I mean, you compost. I, I didn't know you composted until today, <laughs> but you do. I come from a background where my neighbor, when I was a kid, was a gardener, was, and composting was something he did. I'm very used to seeing the, the compost heap, uh, if you like, and it's really what we've all been talking about today. The thing is, Lara... It's easy. It's super easy. People think it's difficult because we are in a desert. Mm. Like the the problem here, because we think we live in a desert, we we don't we don't have nature. But desert is nature. Mm. We just need to know how to appreciate it, work with it, and actually use it to our advantage. In our case, we have a farmland in the UAE mm-hmm. where we do open pile composting, and the heat actually helps speed up the process for us. So it's actually to our advantage. And you know. Another thing I want to mention, like compost, when it's applied to the desert sand, of course, it uh, improves its water retention capacity, water holding capacity. So let's say, you know, this, unfortunately, sandy soil does not hold water. So when it rains here, what happens? It floods. Mm-hmm. It's, the water is not captured in the sand, and we're losing this precious resource, which, which really we, we, we don't have much here. When we apply compost, we are changing the structure of the sand we are making it more aggregated like a sponge. So when it rains, this water actually stays in the soil, which means we need less irrigation for agriculture. So it means yeah. we are saving water. Another thing, when we have this structure of the soil, we are actually drawing down carbon dioxide from the atmosphere. So soil is a big uh, carbon sink, which we really mm-hmm. need to fight climate change as well. Could you could you expand on that? So So basically... 
when you apply compost to the soil, right, you you are uh, changing the structure in a way that you allow air pockets to be in the soil. And with the, with the living organisms and organic matter that exists in the soil, they help, they are using the carbon from the atmosphere to do their, you know, their natural process. So the more, uh, let's say, uh, organic matter, living organisms and air pockets are in the soil, the more we are able to capture this atmospheric carbon and remove it from the atmosphere, which is a big need right now, especially, you know, with this uh, global crisis we have. So the way we uh, view our attitude to food, the way we treat our food, the way we buy our food, the way we consume our food has a real impact on the impact that we have Mm -hmm. on the climate, essentially. I mean, it's not hard to make that Mm -hmm. connection, to uh, connect those dots. What do we do to change mindsets, Lara? Because um, offering people a huge spread of food is seen as, you know, being very yeah, hospitable yeah. and lots of that is, is just there for effect. It's there to impress with some uh, people, not everybody, but it is. It's a way to display prosperity or wealth uh, in some cultures. Um, how do we get past mindsets like that so that it's fine to have a lot of food, but it's not fine to waste yeah i mean it's very much cultural here like if you're a good host it means you have to have a feast uh this is this gives the you know the impression you're generous you're hospitable you really respect your guest but i guess um like it like we need also to see uh food as a blessing right like uh if we waste the food we're also wasting the blessing if we look first of all we should understand that waste first of all, is a man-made concept. Mm. There's no such thing as waste, right? If, if you really understand what it is, like food, you can always make something out of it. Whether you repurpose it, you create a different recipe, you create a smoothie, or you do composting, nothing should end up being wasted. So this is something we need to understand. This is why, for example, in the Waste Lab, in the logo, our the word waste is strike through. Because mm. we, do not, we do not say, we don't even... In our company, between us as a team, we do not use the word waste. We say food scraps, food leftovers, and these things. Because if we change the language, we unconsciously, psychologically reframe, you know, our brain to really not think of anything as waste. This is something. And what I was saying before, like, uh, for example, we work now with hotels and restaurants, and they are trying to make a difference and reduce the food waste, especially from the buffet, from mm-hmm. all these big feasts. Many of them say that uh, we have to have buffets because we need to show, you know, options for the for the guests. We need to show that we are hospitable. But some of them are really like, for example, uh, even if they have to have a buffet, they are putting, for example, the impact that is happening if they throw this amount or how much water has been used to produce this kind of recipe mm-hmm. say a tabbouleh from the parsley mm-hmm. to the tomato to the onions how much water has been used or carbon emissions have been used to produce this kind of recipe so a lot of messaging out there needs to be you know uh, obvious to the guests to the people and uh, i think another thing is again working with children because if they understand that um, waste is not accepted that we should not you know, throw anything away, they will really be able to influence their parents, make a difference. 
I'm, mm. I'm not able to go beyond this. I have things to say, but it's not coming out. <laughs> Do you know, I, I think you make the point really well. And I, I think the children point is really important. It's funny, <laughs> I was watching my son yeah. make a smoothie bowl today. And he just went in the fridge and he took some, he takes protein powder because he goes to the gym. He put some of that in. He put some um, yogurt in there, mixed up some uh, old frozen strawberries that had been in the freezer for longer than I can remember. <laughs> Don't tell him. Uh, and some blueberries. And that was his lunch. And that is so healthy, so tasty. And it has cost next to nothing. Yeah, absolutely. You know? I want to add one more thing. So another thing we focus on is involvement. We want everyone to really understand and be involved in what they are doing with us. So um, soon next season, when the weather gets better, we want to open our farmland for people to come and compost with us. We actually have a lot of people on the waiting list to volunteer. Mm -hmm. Because especially with the youth, there's a lot of, uh, how do you say, thirst to do these kinds of activities, to connect with nature, to feel that they are really contributing positively to the environment. So... We want to invite them and everyone else to really see the process of composting. Because once you witness this, you really feel the connection to nature. You witness, you know, that a banana peel or a avocado skin is not icky at first. It's, it's still beautiful. It, it's like, a, you know, it's a different kind mm -hmm. of salad, a different kind of recipe we, we do with composting. You actually, you know, may, uh, get your hands dirty doing composting and then you see this beautiful nature, natural process of composting that from this, oh, this you know, pile of food scraps, you are creating this soil, uh, you know, structure that smells good, that, uh, you know, feels like a crumbly cookie dough today. The, the children, the, <laughs> they said it, it feels like cookie dough in your hands and then you use it back to plant again. We want to be able to show them the whole cycle from the food waste to composting, using the compost to grow again food. They'll be able to witness all this and really appreciate the whole process and make them think next time, why am I? Why do I need to throw this in the landfill when I can really put this in the process and make this beautiful outcome from it? Fair enough. And you know, what you're saying in general is you're trying to connect the dots for people. You're trying to make people think that the second thought of when I have a peel of bananas or whatever, um, okay, I can use this to do something else, to you know, repurpose it and so on. So this process of connecting the dots uh, helps people realize that <clears throat> I can reuse and I can I can make uh, a good impact, you know, towards the environment and climate change and so on. So you know, at the end of the day, I, I think a lot, of, you know, people in general don't want to be wasting food, but when it's convenient for them not to, then they won't do it. Um, anyway, speaking of which, uh, a lot of solutions revolve around making people, um, you know waste less um, and reusing that waste uh, in, in, in a technological sense could be turned into energy right so you know we know waste to energy schemes there's a lot of uh, you know hype about that but what is food waste to energy how does that look like to you i mean um i mean there's something called the biodigester and the bioreactor where you there's a machine and this machine when you put the food waste in the machine you know, uh, it works that methane, the methane that usually comes out from, you know, the landfill that comes out from the organic food and uh, matter, this methane is captured. And this methane is energy that you can use for heating, for electricity and all that. So this is mm -hmm. one solution out there that really, you know, that's that can be, you know, used to convert food waste into energy. 
I mean, for us, our energy is compost. Again, um, there are so many solutions out there and all of them have an important role. We, do, we cannot just say composting is the only solution or this biodigester or a bioreactor or whatever you want to call it is the only solution. We all need to play our role because different situations require different solutions out there. So whether composting is one solution for one community or one hotel, it might not be for another. <laughs> so we really like uh, encourage all these technologies and all these collaborations. And uh, sometimes like uh, the thing is, uh, sometimes we focus too much on technology that we ignore that nature also is a technology by itself. It's a smart mm. technology. And sometimes we try to outsmart it with these, uh, let's say sometimes I call them shiny boxes that offer short-term solutions, but don't really help us on the long run. When, for example, composting is nature's reci own recycling system that has existed since, you know, <laughs> life existed. And we just need to, like, instead of, for example, burning this food, why don't we use it to actually create this resource that we very much need in our land? I guess. It reminds me of uh, Jurassic Park. Do you remember that line in Jurassic Park? Nature will find a way. It always does. <laughs> it, it always does. I always go back to that. Here's a question for you, Lara. Do we just eat too much food? Are we eating portions that are too big? Is that one of the problems? I think we eat with our eyes more than with our stomachs sometimes. And this is what I see in buffets, especially. Like when I, unfortunately, when I'm in a buffet, I don't like buffets, but sometimes you have to be. You see people putting piles of food, you know, um, because, I mean, you have all these options. And why not? Then no one's telling you not to. And then maybe you eat half of it and waste the other half. Uh, I cannot really judge if people are eating too much, but they should eat just how much they can actually consume. No need to, like, uh, no need to, you can go refill again. You don't need from the first time to put a pile of food on your, on your plate and then, th you know, throw the rest. What I see some hotels are doing are putting now smaller plates in the buffet. Mm. so you're not able that's to put smart. so much food you you put one time if you're still hungry you can go fill mm. it again i didn't know that's what they were doing next time <laughs> <laughs> we learn on this <laughs> oh, yeah. well you know i guess where this leads to is raising awareness mm -hmm. right you explained of ways that you do it through the waste lab what else can you share with us how would you raise awareness about this topic to other people so like we do a lot of workshops and like when we started the waste lab we thought, okay, we might do one workshop here and there. We never really focused on it and thought it's going to be something, you know, that will grow. And now we have so much demand of workshops, whether from schools, like today we had a workshop with eight-year-olds. Uh, sometimes we, we are getting from hotels, from offices. There is, like, a lot of now offices and companies are requiring their employees to do volunteering and more CSR activities, which makes sense. So they are looking for subjects, uh, activities that they can fill in. One of them can be ours. This is, this is something that really helps in raising awareness. This is number one. Number two, volunteering community engagement activities. Like for example, uh, last year, we, during uh, Halloween, we launched a pumpkin rescue operation. Hmm. Because you know, in Halloween, you buy many Halloweens, you, you decorate hmm. your villas, your apartments with them. Sometimes you eat some of them, but in many cases, you f after, after a couple of days, you throw them. So we told people, like we put a message on social media telling people like, instead of throwing them away, we can collect them for free and we can do something with them. Hmm. So we can either donate them to the UE Food Bank and whatever that is 
not edible, not fit to be donated, we can compost it. And we actually co- co- collected in one day one ton of pumpkins. Wow. So Im- And this is with our capacity. So imagine if we have more capacity, I think we would have collected more. But the thing is, people started telling us, oh, we, couldn't, we didn't know that we can donate to the UE Food Bank. People are not aware. Mm-hmm. Once you put this knowledge out there, it will give them options next time when they have this another, you know, maybe Christmas or Halloween, whatever occasion, if they have extras, they can think, oh, we can maybe donate now or we can do composting. We also collaborated with the school. We gave them some uh, pumpkins. They have cooking class. So they use it in the cookie, you know, in the cooking mm-hmm. class. And I love this example because it shows like from the food bank to the composting, uh, to the to the commu- working with communities, with schools, we all work together to make an impact. And this is really the story you want to bring out there. Right? And it's so easy. It's just we need to know yeah. knowledge is power. And with the right mindset, we can actually make things happen. I feel like we're going to talk to you in six months or a year's time. <laughs> and I don't know how Guaranteed. many more initiatives or schemes are going to be running, how many more pumpkins are going to be freed uh, by next Halloween. Uh, question to finish off, uh, and this is kind of to, to round things off on the podcast, Lara. Uh, your perspective on two things, and they're both really important here in, in, in the Emirates. First of all, Year of Sustainability, 2023, um, and it's COP28 at the end of the year as well, the UN Climate Change Conference at uh, the end of November. From your perspective, what does that mean for the UAE to be hosting an event like COP? Because it's, I mean, it's a big, big deal. And in climate change terms, what do you see emerging from commitments that the UAE is making and, you know, we can see is continuing to make? I mean, this year is a pinnacle year for the UE. Like, again, from the, announcing the year's sustainability to hosting COP28 and all this, um, it has put the UE, you know, on the radar. Like, mm. now is the time for the UE to show what we can do when it comes to fighting climate change. Uh, if, like, the UE has been doing wonderful things for different, you know, in different areas. And we've always been boasting that we are the best or the first, or and this is great. And this is why, like, when we first started the Waste Lab, we went to Turkey, tried to do something there. But then we said, no, let's come back to the UE because this is where actually things happen. This is, we have the right mindset here. We have the right kind of investment and we have the right vision to really make something better here. So we see a lot of movement, like from our community, from our network, but from big companies to small startups emerging this year to make an impact. Uh, for example, last year we used to take to talk to some hotels offering our food waste solutions. They didn't have a budget for it. Mm-hmm. This year they have a budget. It, it tells a lot, right? Like okay. things are changing. They understand that this year they need to have a budget for a sustainable food waste solution. This is one thing. Uh, what I see also a lot of collaborations between big companies and startups. Uh, in Ramadan, we did a campaign with Kia. For example, and this, you know, Ramadan, we have a lot of food waste, and with mm-hmm. this, like with this collaboration, we were able to come up with a nice short film to show like what actually can be done with food waste and composting and working together. So I see a lot of movement, a lot of enthusiasm, and um, like what I really am hoping for that this will be the starting point, not like COP28 will not be the let's say the end of the journey Mm -hmm. but the beginning of the journey towards really change and sustainable practices Um, 
And what I also see, like with this Naama initiative, they're lo- they're really looking into ways of collaboration between different stakeholders, from hotels, restaurants, um, startups, the government. We really need to work together to make an impact. Working in silos does not really work. So each one has a way, has a solution that if we can combine them together, we can really fit this solution to be to be implemented and you know seamlessly and better uh, for everyone mm-hmm. um so I, i'm really like uh, optimistic that cop 28 will be really uh, not the end point but the starting point <laughs> for change and for consistent sure change be, yeah. like we we talk now to companies who want to really showcase something with the waste lab in cop 28 we tell them COP28 is just one example, but you, next year you need to, to also work with us. We're not going to accept just for COP28. You know, I guess what, uh, what is unique about the UAE is a lot of people connect on different levels. And the level of community, um, you know, working together to do sustainable, uh, you know, drives, etc. Is, is, is impressive uh, on so many levels. So you, you're, you know, well poised, I guess, to, to do your work here. Yeah, I mean... Uh... Like COP28 is bringing everyone here, right? And it is time that we really show how we walk the talk, right? Mm-hmm. We've been doing it this year, uh, but we need to show, I believe, uh, more like a longer vision and actually like consistent steps, serious steps towards that. Um, and I think uh, with the right collaboration, working together and having... Um, an open mind to actually not just look into technology, but look into nature and merge these two together because we really can find solutions with everyone. As you all know, Laura is the co-founder of The Waste Lab, a woman-owned Dubai-based impact-driven startup. Thank you very much for being with us. Thank you for having me. Thanks, Laura. That was such a great story. Laura is a person really trying to make a difference and do something really meaningful. It's good to hear somebody that has real passion. I mean, this clearly comes from a place of, I want to make a difference. You can tell that with Laura, can't you? Because she's just obviously sat and really thought this through and decided, I can do something. And she's putting her money where her mouth is, as it were, you know, getting on and doing something and really trying to make a difference. That's true. She's a she's a true change maker, a, an asset to Dubai and the UAE. And honestly, it's one of those... Uh, catalyst kind of people that mm. that not just starts you know with the with the task at hand but increases the, the impact and at the end of the period or the time you see that a lot of people benefited from what she's doing do you know the other thing as well is uh, what, what really struck me was i was sat here thinking i could do that <laughs> oh, i could do that there you go i could definitely do that and i thought <laughs> if i can do it then anybody else can do it <laughs> and she made it seem so easy it wouldn't be hard to call the waste lab and say, can I get one of your bins, put it in the house and put, you know, orange peel in there, apple, you know, potato peelings, whatever. My avocados. Your avocados. Yeah, you need to sort out the (laughs) avocado skins, my friend. Um, And then every week they come and take it away and you know something good happens. Genius. It's a great idea. Lara Hussein, of course, is the co-founder of The Waste Lab, a woman-owned Dubai-based impact-driven startup that aims to create an opportunity for every food scrap to become a solution rather than a burden on our society and environment. What a great initiative. All right, Tim. So can you let everyone know where to find us and to get in touch with us for this episode? 
We'd love to hear from you. Feel free to reach out with your comments or if you have a story to tell, we would really like to hear what you think about this episode or even this season of Naturally Educated. You can find us on Facebook, on Instagram and LinkedIn at Environment Abu Dhabi, one word. There's also our website, ead.gov.ae, or our YouTube channel at Environment Agency Abu Dhabi. Plus, if you could give us a like and hit subscribe, we'd really appreciate it too. All right, that's Naturally Educated for this episode. Thank you for listening. My name is Abdurrahman Zabi. I'm Tim Elliott. Join us next time for more in this year of sustainability-themed season three of Naturally Educated from the Environment Agency Abu Dhabi. We're back soon with a very special final and super sustainable episode to round off this season of Naturally Educated.